Not everybody looks the way the world expects them to look, thinks as the world expects them to think, or arrives at their destination the way the world expects them to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we learn from mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Today, I have Sammy Apodaca in studio with me. He is a railroad engineer, not a conductor, right? At the current time, I'm actually a brakeman because we have like, we could either be a brakeman, engineer, or conductor. Well, those are all things that we're going to get into. Sammy Apodaca, thank you for coming in and welcome to the Square Peg Podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I don't really, you know, I worked with uh, your wife for many, many years until she retired about a year ago, and we've met a few times. Yes. But um, I don't know a lot of the background. How long have you been in this line of work? For the railroad, I hired out in the railroad in 06, so I've just completed 17 years. Okay, and you're about my age. I mean, I'm 49. Yeah, I'm 48. Okay, so what did you do before that? Before that, I was a correction officer. Okay, uh, was that here locally? Yes, here locally. Uh, the county, state? Uh, state. Okay. State. Right out there at Southern, I assume? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long did you do that? I did that for nine years. I believe it was nine years. And why the why the career change? Uh, just for this current career, the railroad career. W- and, were uh, you running? A, were you moving away from corrections, or were you running towards railroad? A little bit of both. There are corrections. I just got tired and fed up with corrections, the way it was being ran, and just corrections, period, altogether. And then uh, one day I was talking to a friend that left corrections for the railroad also, and just Monday I asked him how much he make, and he told me, and I was like, well, I'm in the wrong profession. You know, that's my understanding. There was somebody else that, you know, your wife and I worked with for uh, many years whose husband retired from, from one of the railroad companies. And uh, I know hearing her talk about it, he did really well. Um, and what's funny is now you are, you know, you know, we spoke about somebody else that I know who does your same job. That was a mid-career thing for him too. Yeah. Um, do you do you find that the the people you work with are a little bit older? I mean, or do you get twenty, twenty one, twenty two year olds who? Well, when I first started with the railroad, I was working with the older crews, but now it seems like I'm the older crew, and all these new kids are coming up, and it's just kind of amazing how they're my kids' age now, and I'm like working with kid, people my kids' age, and I'm like, then I'm starting to fill up their age now. Well, I think that's something that, you know, you like like we talked about before, you and I are about the same age, and, and I run into that, too, in my line of work. Um, I got people who literally, I have no super, you know, no no rank over or anything like that. I mean, but they call me sir. <laughs> exactly. And you got 22 and 23-year-olds <laughs> who come out of the academy, and I have to tell them, you know, if I teach them in the academy, I say, look, I understand you're in the academy and you have to act a certain way and address people a certain way. And right, right. But the moment you graduate, and it's hard for them even when they're doing their field training, and I have to say, look, I might be old as dirt. I might be old enough to be your father, but you're the lowest person in your chain of command, and I'm the lowest. There's no reason you call, him, you call me by my first name, right? <laughs> yep. um, no, so I get that. And, um, and, and sometimes you do feel like, man, these, these guys look like kids. Yes, exactly. They they yeah. really do. Now, I want to go back. You talked about having been in corrections for nine years, working at Southern New Mexico uh, Correctional Facility. Um, you wanted to get away from that, and I think we can all understand why. Yeah. Um, but how did you hear about the railroad, and how, how does somebody get – first of all, how did you hear about it, and how how do you get started even looking for a job? Well, like I said, I was talking to one of my friends that I used to work with at the prison, and I just asked him how much he made, and he told me. And ever since then, I put my resume in. It's all done online nowadays. Just about everything's done on online. So you got to apply online, 
fill out your resume and just keep looking at the their website and see if there's any job postings available. And just so you applying. you have to know the name of and and we're not just from our listeners. It's for for a lot of professional reasons. We're not going to discuss which actual company Sammy works for, but. Do do you have do you, are you looking for jobs by the name of the railroad company? Or are you simply googling railroad jobs in the U.S.? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, me personally, I just went to that specific company and I applied. It took me about a year and a half of applying and just checking the website. But uh, it got to the point where I was applying for another, the other railroad company, and even maintenance. I wanted to work on the trains. They call it TYNE, trains yard engines. And it got to a point where I was applying for like the maintenance of track labor stuff like that. And finally, I got a call for TYNE, and I jumped on it as soon as I could. It was my first uh, foot in the door kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And and so, how long did you um? What was the application process like? You so you get a you get a resume in, and they call you just for an interview, or is there like a test you have to take? Or? Yeah, when once you get called for the interview, you'll do your test, your written test. You'll do a background check you'll do a drug test and then um usually the process is kind of long but when i got hired they were railroad was needing people so my process well, i was done in like a week wow so it was a week and i already had the job now what's what is the um the reason for you know we talked about how the, the, this can be pretty lucrative and competitive pay mm-hmm. what is the reason for that is it because is are they union shops uh is it because of the specialized training um, why why do railroad jobs pay so well? I think it's the job's not hard itself. Well, when I hired out, an old head told me we get paid for our inconvenience, not for our labor. Yes, we do work, but our inconvenience is always being away from our home, you know, or from our family when we're on the road. Yes, you got yard jobs where you have like a regular set schedule, but once you start working on the road, you know, you're you're on call twenty four seven. That's that's why the pay is so, you know, high dollar. Not high dollar, but a good pay. Do Do you think that the number of hours you're working and kind of being away from the family is any different? And I'm sure the job is a lot different than your your previous career. But I know that, for example, I know at Southern there's a lot of mandatory overtime. Right. Um, guys are away from home a lot. You're working doubles a lot, working your days off. Um, I want to go back, though. You said you start off the, the T.Y. TYNE. TYNE, which is train yard and engines. And engines. So you you started off doing maintenance. No, no, I was going to apply for maintenance. Oh, I okay, I see. So I went Th- I started off as a conductor. Okay, so we talked a little bit before about how there's brakemen, conductors, engineers. What is the training like when you first started as a conductor, right? Yes, when I started as a conductor in 06 and the training was 3 months long, so you got I think you had like two weeks classroom, and then you went for I don't know how many weeks OJT on the job training. Then you'll come back, do like a midterm type of stuff. Then you'll go back, do more OJT, and then come back for your like a week, two weeks of actually like classroom, and then they're getting ready for, you know, to take your final exam to pass the conductor's course. Now, what what is the skill set that's, that's applicable? Like for me, you know, I uh, I studied history in college. I'm good at reading and books and writing and research. Not more, not an engineering or numbers or science kind of guy. Um, what if you had to say that there was a particular skill set or a particular left brain, right brain kind of stuff? What what is the skill set and mindset uh, and aptitude type that is really for people that are apt to do the type of job that you do or f- fit 
fit well in that line of work? There's really no particular type of skills that you need. I mean, I don't have a high school. I mean, I have a high school diploma. That's about all I got, maybe a year and a half of college. And But as far as everything you need to learn on the job, they'll train you in conductor class. And then um, as the years go on, you know, you learn more and more stuff because there's just there's a lot of rules and as far as the way things need to be done. Now, now t- let's let's talk about the different or what you talked about, brakemen, conductors, and engineers. Well, those are the three kind of main for jobs. T- for TY and ES, uh, that's the okay. three. Okay, so what does a brakeman do? A brakeman, like, they're not – brakemans are – there's a low demand for brakemans right now. There's only, like, in, there's, like, four brakemen where I work, and it's just – they're the ones on the ground, like doing all the work, lining all the switches, and get everything ready. But the conductor on a particular job, he's in charge of the job of the train and everything. So the conductor's, I hate to say it this way, but he's like the secretary of the of the train because he's he's responsible for paperwork. He's making sure the train is in compliance as far as hazmats, loads, and everything like that. So the main the main weight falls on the conductor as far as you know the train. But the brakeman, you know, and the brakeman pretty much does what the conductor tells him. He's almost a gopher, almost, you could say that. Well, it, it sounds to me, when you first started talking about what a brakeman does, it almost sounds like you're making sure that the cars are hooked up in the right order and that you're, if you have to switch at a rail yard, that the switches are in there. Are, are you riding the train as a brakeman? Yes. Okay. Yes, you are. So it's it's on the train. It's on the so train. So you, you get an assignment today for a run. What do you call it? Is it called a run, a job? A run, yeah, you'll take, you'll take a train. Well, a brakeman only works like the locals, the road switchers, and that's pretty, and the yard jobs. And actually in the yard is called a, a a helper. So in the yard, on the trains, you got your engineer, your conductor, and your brakeman. And then in the yard, you got your engineer, your foreman, and your helper. Okay, so you get a job today. Say you're going out this afternoon uh, on a run or a job as a brakeman. What do you, what, what do, you do you have a checklist you're going over? Um, just the paperwork, you got to, like I said, the, most of the weight falls on the conductor and the conductor will give the brakeman whatever list that he needs and whatever paperwork that he needs for, you know, to complete the jobs. But the brake, like I said, the brakeman just basically does what the conductor wants him to do. Now, to do, okay. Now, and, and you say the conductor is kind of like the administrative, you, you said the word secretary sounds a little bit same administrative secretary, right, administrative yeah. assistant secretary. They're they're the kind of like they're delegating. Yes, they're doing a lot of it's, delegating. The conductor, most of the responsibilities fall upon the conductor, and he has to make sure everything gets done. The brains of the operation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the engineer. Yeah. What does the engineer do? The engineer is just responsible for the movement of the train. You know, making sure we can stop. You know, start going and stop when we need to. Not overrun our limits, but he's he's the one that runs the train. Now, the company you work for, you work freight or passenger? Uh, freight. Okay. Freight. I would imagine the overwhelming majority of jobs on the railroad are freight as opposed to passenger. Yes. For, is that what it's yes, called? For, passenger, like Amtrak? Yeah, Amtrak's passenger, yeah. Um, is it pretty working for the company you work for? I imagine you work a lot of the same routes. Is it pretty predictable, the freight that you're going to carry? To a point, yes, it is. We deal a lot with grain trains, so grain trains are all, those are the Heavy trains, they're all the same, so the cars are all going to be the same. So pretty much all those grain trains will handle pretty much the same. How many cars? 
These Grand Trains will get up to about 108, 109 cars. Which is about it, how long? A quarter mile? or Around 7,000 feet, and they weigh about 16,000 tons. That's a lot of train. Yeah, it is. My kids like, you know, when we drive to Tucson, uh, we usually go about twice a year, and uh, we're going west on I-10. I, at certain points, it almost looks like the, the track there kind of parallels I-10 mm-hmm. uh, to an extent. It like They like to look and see. And You know, when I was a kid, actually, um, I don't know if you remember that. We took – grew up in the mid-Atlantic area, and I, we had family all over. My grandparents were in El Paso. I had a grandmother in Miami. I had family in Chicago, family in Dallas. Um, we took uh, the train, I believe, to Chicago twice. And once to Florida, there was an Amtrak auto train where you, you would take your car and they would drive it up onto a oh, really in, into a cargo, into one, and then uh-huh. when you got off the train, you had your car. Um, and that was actually really neat. You know, we never did sleeper cars. My parents just had, I guess it was coach. They had uh-huh. us in coach. Um, and, of course, being kids, we thought it was fun to be able to, you know, you walk to the bar car or the, the snack car or whatever and get yeah. something to eat. And um, I haven't been um, – I mean, one of these days, I'd like to go one of these famous railroads. I know that there's one that goes, uh, there's a Trans-Canadian or Trans-Canada uh, goes across, you know, Canada and North America. And I, I would imagine, I think there's one that goes up and down the California coast. Um, but you're you're mostly on what you, you, you work freight. You work for a company that just does freight. Correct. What is the order? And I know we're kids, you all have this, there's the, there's the engine and then there's the caboose and then there's everything in between. What What is the layout of a typical freight freight train that you run there's all different there's no specific one there's all kinds of variations that we can have it just depends how long your train is how heavy your train is whether you got hazmats or no hazmats uh, that all plays a key role in where how you position your train where cars can go and where cars can't go you're up front are are the the brakeman the conductor and the engineer all in the first car uh usually the the trains that run just have an engineer and a conductor. Yeah, you got your engineer and your conductor. Brakemen are very rare. Those are just jobs that will do work. You know, like you come through town or whatever, and you see trains doing work at stations or whatever. Those have three-man crews. But the train, the through freight, only has the engineer and the conductor. So so as a brakeman, even though you're not on the train, you may have to travel out of town to a depot, or is that what you call it, or um, to do the work? Very rare nowadays, like I said, it's a two-man crew, so brakemans are only assigned to jobs that have work to do in route, specifically, you know, industries. So as a brakeman now, you're home a lot more. Yes, correct. I got a set schedule now. And how long, how long have you been a brakeman? Um, about two months right now. And you, you put in for it on purpose to be home yes, more often? Yes, to be home more often, and I got stuff going on. Plan for vacations. You can plan. You know, right. You can have a life. You can have a life. Well, so you're the engineer. I think we talked about with the brakeman and the conductor. Do the engineer does what? The engineer just runs a train. Like I said, he's he's responsible for stopping, starting, and uh, and of course he has to know. He has to verify too that his train is in in, in compliance is what we call it, because he can get if something does happen, the engineer can also get in trouble. If the paperwork and the trains and cars, all that are not positioned right. So. How long on a typical window? So let's say you're you're working as an engineer or a, or a conductor, either one. What is a typical job like? As far as you know, you're going out for three days, you're going out for two days, or what? What is the schedule like? We don't got no set schedule. We're on call twenty four seven, and um, most of the time you show up to work, and you're you'll be gone up to 
30 to 48 hours at a time because you'll leave like on a Sunday and you won't get back till like Tuesday night. It just depends because sometimes you'll take a train to your away from home terminal and then you'll end up staying there anywhere from, you got to have, according to the FRA regula- rules and regulations, we got to have 10 hours undisturbed rest. So whenever we go to away from home terminal, we're in a hotel room for 10 hours at the minimum. So uh, this is interesting. You, you're using the term away from home terminal. Is that a any place that you happen to land? Uh, air quotes. I mean, any place that, or is it a, is it the same place every time? Oh, it's the railroad's so vague. Like you, some places, some locations, they'll they'll branch out to like five different locations. So it just depends which run you're on, and others locations just have one run. And that's what we have where I work, just one run. So I'm just going to that one location and back. So for all the years that you uh, were on the train as either a conductor or engineer, you're, you're leaving from Las Cruces, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And where where was that away from home terminal? In Belen. In Belen. Yeah. So I so, drive to El Paso, go to work, take a train to Belen. I got you. Which is, how long did it take you? Any stops along the way? Um, no, it's, well, it just all depends on traffic, but it's it's... I've done it in seven hours, and I've done it in nineteen hours from El Paso to Belen. But no scheduled stops. It would yeah, all be no like what the stop. what the railroad traffic is like, or if there's a problem right. with the track or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now you were talking about. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, talking about all the different rules and everything. So you basically, I'm sure your company rents the same hotel in Belen all the time. Correct. Yes. Um, running is it? Do you see it as a positive or a negative running the same route all the time like that? Um, it's more of a positive because you can set your mind, you know, you, you, you got your mindset where you're going. You've been there hundreds of times, you know, what's happening, you know what to expect. I can see that. I, 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 at some point, I think that, you know, if you do it daily, or if you do it enough to me, it would seem kind of repetitive, Correct. um, and would kind of lose its luster, if you will. Right. You know, I drive back and forth to Albuquerque a lot. I have a side job I do at the state, um, and I know years ago, I used to have to go to Albuquerque a lot for my regular job, and I worked nights. I, I used to hate it because I worked nights, and every time we had to go to Albuquerque, it wasn't up and back during the day, so I was always tired. Um, but I find it very enjoyable because I know where all the different markers are. I know how far I am to somewhere, and you get familiar with the senior, uh, the scenery and everything. Um, but that's a, one thing, that's a good thing about my job, too, is I got options. Like right now, I'm a brakeman. I'm, I'm in my bed like every night. So I have that option to mix it up if I need to, or I can go work in El Paso in the yard and be home every night also. Now, when you, you get to your away-from-home terminal, is it is it literally just 10 hours, or do they schedule you more than that, give you time to get something to eat, you got to sleep, do all that? It just all depends on how busy we are and the traffic trains coming down. But, yeah, usually you can get called right on your rest, and we get a two-hour call. So you'll get your 10 hours rest, undisturbed rest, and then you get your two-hour call. So you can have 12 hours, probably the bare minimum, you know, to go back to work. And I've been up there. The longest I've ever been in a hotel room up there is 43 hours. Now, is it the same Is it the same schedule all the time? Like you know you're going to leave El Paso at the same time every day? Oh, no. that's it's just So they're screwing with you. And then so you may be in a situation where here, here's your 10 hours to sleep, but I'm not tired. Exactly. Yep. Now I would I could see so it, that's interesting. So on the one hand, you have a lot of predictability in the sense that you've got one route that you run, correct, up and back, if you will. But the schedule itself, 
Yeah, that's that's where it gets you. Now, you you mentioned you said some letters. I was going to ask you. You talked about. I'm I'm going to imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of what you do in the regulations and record keeping and logbooks and um, you know bill of lading. I know sounds like it would be pretty similar to over the road truck drivers. I really don't know much about the overroad truck drivers, but yeah, because we got all, we got a list of all of our tr- cars and what's on the cars and whether it's hazmat or not hazmat. But yeah. But with regard to how many hours you can operate Correct. a train, we can only work twelve hours. You can only work twelve hours, and you have to have ten hours in between. Yes. Is there a certain number of days you can? Well, we can only work twelve hours, and after that, we got to stop. Like if we're in the middle of nowhere, Timbuktu. And we hit our 12 hours work, and we're done. We stop. The and train literally hit. stops. Yes, and then they'll have to call the relief to come relieve us. Because we're, according to the FRA, we're completely done. We can't, we can't turn the wheel. What is the FRA? The Federal Railroad Association, or I can't remember. But that's a government agency. Yeah, I was going to government. Agency. I was going to guess it was the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board. But that's not who oversees you. No. I okay. Th- I think the NTSB oversees the FRA. I don't know how that works. That's beyond my. You don't. It's on a need. You don't need to yeah, know that, yeah, so you yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I I know what that's all about. Now, when what do you do when you're in the car? Like, obviously, you're. Are you allowed to have a cell phone with you? No, no cell phones, no electric devices. Do you check them? I mean, is there a? Yeah, when compo- we stop, we can get on there. No, but I mean, you you check them with your. You have a bag that you take with you, like an overnight bag. Oh, or? you mean stow them away? Yeah, we got to store our, our phones or whatever. Cut them off and then stow them away. What do you do while you're driving? Are you like? Put on a podcast? Can you listen to music? <laughs> no, I mean, nothing electric. We just uh, talk to each other or just stare out the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah, it's, uh, but we mainly all talk to each other. It helps when, you know, you've got a good uh, conductor or engineer. Whoever now, is there, there anybody on the train? I know you, the conductor and the engineer are going to be in the, what do you call that in first the head car? Locomotive, yeah. The head locomotive. In the locomotive. Is there anybody else on the train? No, there's nobody else. It's just okay. Us two. So you guys, and, and if you get somebody you don't like or. Yeah, it makes for a long, boring trip sometimes, yeah. Oh, man. Now, I can imagine, I'm going to guess the geography between El Paso and uh, Belen is probably almost all rural. Desert. Correct, yeah. Once we get to Rincon, and we climb up the hill in Rincon, it's just all desert. You ever seen anything crazy? Mm, Nothing too crazy. I mean, seen a couple cars get hit and stuff like that, but me personally, I haven't really seen any anything out too far out ordinary and have you have you ever worked any other routes oh yeah i've been when i first hired out i didn't have enough seniority to work here in el paso so i had to chase work a lot so i worked out of lincoln nebraska lahana colorado uh, slayton texas so i've been around so when you're up in those places do you have to Kind of, it sounds like you're almost always away from your family because you've got to be at the home base, if you will. Correct. Yeah. The first, I'm first five years of my career, I missed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, being away from home. Um, is there? I mean, how does the pay work? Is it a you get a salary? Do you get a per diem? Is there you get more money for particular routes? Like, how does that all work? That uh, pays based on miles, and it you know, depending how many miles you run is. It's already a set amount for that set of miles. I don't know how it actually works, but if you end up being at home, if it's something like you've hit your twelve hours and the train's got to stop, you get a relief crew. You end up being, for whatever reason, end up being away from home longer than the job was supposed to take. Do you get compensated for that? 
Uh, yeah, we got called what's called held away, and so if we're at the away from home terminal for hotel terminal, we're gonna call it more than sixteen hours, and we get start we start getting paid for being away from home. Now you're 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 in the 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 main car there, the front car. You said the, the locomotive. The locomotive. You're in the locomotive. What's the layout? What does it look like? You got a big captain's chair. I mean, are you standing up? No, um, we got the engineer. Engineers usually on the, always on the right side. Conductors on the left. And we got captains' chairs. Each of us has captain chairs. The brakemen. They always, even though we don't have brakemen on the through trains, we still got a brakeman seat behind the conductor's seat. And on the engineer side, you got your control stand with all your levers and. What are the levers controlling? Well, your throttle and your braking, your independent braking, your automatic braking. And these are diesel, yes, diesel powered, diesel electric. No more, no more coal power locomotive, like, <laughs> no, like no, the old days. No, um, climate controlled, I assume. Yeah, they're climate controlled. How loud is it? The newer ones are not too loud. I mean, we could talk just like normal on the trains. Now, do you have a headset? Are you you're communicating with with dispatch, or well, how does that? Probably from same distance between me and you, maybe a little closer. That's about it. But for uh, to con- to talk to the dispatchers, we got like. A handset, we call it like a phone, you know, just pick it up and tone up the dispatcher and talk to him that way. Now, have you ever been, does, does weather ever play a part? I mean, I would imagine. When I worked up north, yeah, it plays a part. It, the it snow. The snow and, yeah. And, and how fog. Do you, Fog's crazy. And fog, but do you, do you actually have to, does it matter if you can see where you're going? I mean. The, when you're coming across crossings, that's when it matters. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I would guess so. Yeah. Now, what? How does the snow? Do you? What do they do to clear snow? Say you're in a blizzard somewhere. Like, how does they have special cars for that? Or yeah, they got locomotives, the uh, uh, snowplow locomotives. But I've never been on them. I've never seen them. Actually, I've probably only seen one. But range won't affect you. No wind. No. Wind. No heat. Well, wind. Wind does. Wind does play effect because depending on how very trains are. Then we got to look up the rule book and tell us that that'll tell us how fast or if we got to stop for the wind because the wind will blow trains over you know if it gets too. too I think windy. I saw that somewhere recently. That might have been a tornado or something. You ever seen a tornado? No, I never have. I would you know I was kind of surprised when I moved out here. I thought it being so wide open, I thought you I would see more tornadoes. But I, the twenty five years I've been here, I don't know that. Yeah, hopefully, we never do. Now, now, do you ever guys ever have? Tell me again. It's not the NTSB. It's the. FRA. FRA. Do they did the FRA ever just show up with surprise inspections or surprise, you know, urine you gotta give a urine or or, or anything like that? Or yeah, any- the FRA will stop by quite frequently actually and just make sure we're doing our job right and follow rules, but and they'll come and talk to us if they anything going on. But for the most part they just come do their job and if you're doing your job right you don't got nothing to worry about. So now what what are the rules? I know you you have to have ten hours of uninterrupted rest, and then you have a two hour call time. What are the rules on when you can have certain substances? I would imagine you can't have anything that's any illegal drugs. Correct. Uh, even though now cannabis is legal in New Mexico, it is still a Schedule One on the federal level. Correct. Um, what what is the what about alcohol? Alcohol, you can drink alcohol, but you don't want to. You know, like especially when you get home, you can come home, pop a top, and not have to worry about it. But when you're in your, you're away from home terminal, you, it's not like you're picking up a forty or a six pack oh, or something no. on the way there's, to the there's no need for to the hotel room. Yeah, is there a rule about how many hours there can be between you having an alcoholic drink and getting on the train? Um, 
No, there's not. But they do random drug testing and, you know, breathalyzers and stuff like that. So as long as you're get called for it and you're under if you blow zeros you're you're good to go yeah. yeah now you talked about of course we know that between between el paso and belen there's not really anything urban um and you did work some places up north have you ever worked routes where you had to go through i mean trains run through big cities they run through right. towns i mean yeah. have you ever had that experience uh big cities no no major big cities i mean just Small towns like Cruces is probably the biggest city I run through, have run through, actually. Now, are there different things you have to, work, to yeah. watch out for? And I mean, of course, El Paso. You know, so so one of the things I wanted to get to, you know, my dad um, had a degree in civil engineering, was a highway safety engineer for federal highways for, for 32 years. And one of his areas of, of specialized knowledge was in grade crossings, mm-hmm. you know, railroad when it crosses the road there. And one of the things I've noticed here, um, just here on South Main Street, some of, I think, Maine and University, Maine and Union, Maine and going south, Watson, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even Carver Road all have an actual crossing arm. Correct. But some of them don't. Yeah, most of the ones, most of the ones are that don't have them are just like private crossings or, you know, you go into a person's house or something like that. But yeah, all the major crossings will have. What kind of specialized uh, area of knowledge or training, uh, or is there, say when you're going through your training, is there a block of instruction on grade crossings? Mm, the only thing we have to worry about so much grade crossings is just our sequence, the way we approach and start blowing the crossings. Because you got a whistleboard about 1,300 feet before you hit a crossing, you got to start blowing it at that whistleboard to make sure you get all your, your time blowing through the crossing now i would imagine there are sensors that you hit that are going to activate when you when you hit a certain point it's going to activate the the flashing red lights and the and the arms right yes what now every now and again um and of course this is not the railroad's fault but you know this has happened at work where you're trying to run to a call an emergency call real fast and there's <laughs> yeah. a damn not just a train i mean obviously some the trains are going to come through and you, there's nothing you do about that sometimes they stop under what circumstance would you would that necessarily be a malfunction or be because they're trying to switch tracks or like, what's that all about? When you get, when you get a train that stops. Yeah. Usually like through here in town, you know where the depot is here downtown? Yeah. Usually right by Messia park. Uh huh. Right by Messia park. That's one. And then the one uh, where the museum is um, here in town. That's another place location where we'll stop and do work and just move back and forth. The cars shuffle the cars where they need to be. Do you now you mentioned hazmat? Um, when you do carry anything that is hazmat related, uh, what do you carry? Is there anything? Are you are you licensed? Because I know, like, well, in in public safety and law enforcement, um, your average you know local cop only gets X number of hours or gets X level of of hazmat. State police usually on any scene or the or the incident command, and they have usually a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, fire departments obviously have different levels of hazmat certifications and things like that. What, what where do you fall on that as a with your job on the railroad? For hazmats, our main concern is just where it's positioned because we cannot have hazmats, you know, so close to the to the head end of the locomotive or towards the rear if we got a DP on the rear. What about grain? Like you said, you run a lot of grain. Uh-huh. Can you? Is it? Does there got to be a buffer between hazmat no, and grains? Usually, if you run a grain train, it's just one solid block of grain train. Uh, okay. Grain cars. Now, if you are carrying hazmat, what are you carrying usually? Um, to be honest with you, I don't even remember nowadays. I just, it, 
it varies depending what's picking up, you know, industry-wise. But I know, um, what does it take to the mines? Something to something to help like mine the copper. Right. Out here would be copper, right? Yeah, the copper out there towards the mines because we got the Rincon local, and that takes cars to Rincon, and then the Southwest Railroad to pick it up and take it to the mines in Silver City, the right. Tron mines and all that. But um, you're trying to think of it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it. It's right on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I actually just lost my train of thought. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> continuing education. Continuing. Um. And, and I'm, it's kind of, it was on my mind because we're talking about hazmat. And I know that that is stuff that you have to, every so often you have to have refreshers and get, you know, get your certifications updated and things like that. Yeah, As a general rule in your job, whether you're a brakeman, a conductor or an engineer, what's the continuing education like? Uh, it's, it's kind of blocked off or like every year, say like this year I got hazmat, then next year I won't. And then the second year I will. So it, it, they mix it up. And um, as far as hazmat's concerned, there's really no training per se anymore. It's just like if if you need to look up something, we got the booklets to look it up. If we have questions on stuff, we can. They just want us to know where we can find stuff when right. we need to find it. I got you. Well, that's half the battle, right? Yeah. I mean, after there's some saying, you know, the truly wise man isn't the guy that knows everything, but he knows where to find it. Exactly. When you do that, when you do that, you're you're in service or you're you're keeping your training updated. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? Do you go to a location for that? You're able to do it remotely and you know log into some computer and. Um, we go usually do it at work, and we got computers for us where we log in and just do our uh, call them modules or our trainings that way. Have you ever been involved in any sort of accident or mishap or anything that was a close call that you can remember? Um, mm, I've hit one truck and one tractor. And then we're coming down the track. I thought we were going to hit someone because he was actually walking on the track in front of us with his back towards us and he had his headphones on. So we were blowing. The engineer was, I was a conductor at the time, and the engineer was just blowing the heck out of the horn and he, didn't hear us i guess he finally felt the vibrations i don't know what but he turned around and saw us and then got out of the way but that would have been awful now what um you know people assume just because you're a big big object um that i guess you're you're kind of immune to injury if if you're if you're in that first car Mm -hmm. um and you do say you hit a semi um what is the risk what is the safety risk to you um, I mean, do you, are you wearing a seatbelt? No, no seatbelts. No seatbelts. Okay. Um, the glass, is it like shatterproof glass? or, yeah, or? it's uh, FRA approved, whatever it is. They have their numbers on it. But, yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's not your standard typical glass. Okay. Well, I'm glad that guy was able to get out of the way. I um, I think everybody, anybody who's seen that movie Stand By Me knows what it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, right, these kids yeah. walking across. Exactly. You know, I, I don't know if my family's ever heard this story, but. They sent me to a summer camp. I went to fat camp when I was summer between <laughs> seventh and eighth grade. And uh, I was up in the Pocono mountains in Pennsylvania. And it was kind of a rite of passage for a lot of the, a lot of the campers to one day sneak out of camp, walk down some railroad tracks to a general store and buy mm-hmm. a bunch of junk food, which is of course what we did. Uh-huh. And I'll be goddamned. There's a, like, just like the scene in that movie, stand by me, there was a train trestle. You had to go across. Oh, now, luckily shit. we didn't get chased down by a train. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, that was like a year after that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you go across those? Are those? I imagine you have those long train trestles in New Mexico. We don't got a big span, but we got a couple, two chain, two of them on our route. But they're nothing. They're not a big long span, like I said. And you never seen anybody 
that no. had to run. <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, we're kind of getting towards the end of things. I'm going to have to ask Sam, now. Uniform? Do you have a uniform that you wear? No, you just we got. Well, as far as you know, you got to have your safety boots and you know, still told whatever the regulations are. Um, safety vest and uh, earplugs for when you need them. You're on the ground or whatever, and you're crossing and the train's blowing. But but you don't wear a little hat, you know, a little no, little no stripe. Hat. And you, you never, your family never bought that for just like as a kind of a, a, a goofy joke, like <laughs> no. dad's working on the railroad. We need to <laughs> right, get him, you know, yeah, a little, stripe maybe some stripe bib bags. overalls with the, the black and white stripe. I wear bibs. I, I love bibs. A lot yeah. of people don't, but I, I do. I prefer them. Yeah. Do you have a, um, do you, do you ever carry, I mean, is there a, I know that in my, in my work car, uh, I carry a wide brim hat because you never know if you're going to be out on a crime scene in the middle of summer in the mm-hmm. daytime and the, you know, the sun's no joke here. Uh, I also carry a, a cold weather. I've got a 30-year-old Carhartt, actually, that still keeps me warm. I've got some wool socks, a thick hat. Like, you keep that because you just never know. Exactly. Um, do, is there anything like that on the railroad? If, say, you do get stuck, especially, you know, you worked up in Nebraska and places where there are blizzards. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of provisions um, do you keep, or is, there, is it just not something that's... No, well, the only thing provision that I carry in my bag... All year long is a hoodie because you never know when you're going to need a hoodie. And you, right. And I learned the hard way one time. All I had was a little windbreaker and oh, I froze my <laughs> I froze my butt off. That you know, and it, and it depended what climate you're in. That I, what I always tell people is it only takes one when it comes to the sun uh-huh. here in the desert. It uh-huh. takes one time of misjudging. Exactly. Um, and never again. And I, I honestly don't like wearing sunscreen. It runs and it gets in your eyes and uh-huh. things like that. I would rather cover up. So I wear the wide brim hat and long sleeves if I'm going right, to be... Yeah. You know, our our firing ranges are out at the fairgrounds, literally on the side of the, it's in the desert on the mm-hmm. side of, the side you know, with some constructed berms, of course. Um, but yeah, you, you learn, you, you learn like one time. That's all it takes. Um, one time. Now, now bathrooms, got to be a bathroom. On yeah, the train, we got right? a bathroom. It's pretty much the same thing as a little outhouse, you know, that they have at the fairs or whatever. It's right. The same setup. You guys got rules like, hey, you can do a, you know, do this, but be be courteous and if you can hold the other thing until yeah usually we try to do the other thing on the second motor <laughs> on the second motor yeah save that for a stop and go back to the second motor right well ladies and gentlemen i have enjoyed my interview with uh railroad brakeman but also in the past been an engineer and a conductor sammy apodaca uh who works for one of the major railways here in the in the southwest united states i hope you guys enjoyed my interview with him as much as i have uh, as you guys know, we do a one episode a month. We usually drop it the second Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I believe this is episode number 60 of the Square Peg Podcast. We've been going for almost three years, and uh, I'm actually really glad, Sammy, you were able to come in. Thanks for being my Appreciate guest today. It. Yep, thank you. We'll see you guys next time on the Square Peg Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence. Don't forget, we are on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, and on our very own homepage, lascrucestoday.com, and we always, and have since the beginning, and always will broadcast and record at Zia. We're in the Zia Country studio today, but we're at Bravo Mike Communications here in Las Cruces, New Mexico.